I am unashamed. What about you? So I didn't realize it, but when she put it in the little pan, it just is crispier on the bottom side, which has made it better. And she doesn't have too much sweet potato in the middle. You know, I do this every year. She she cooks a bunch of pies. Then she gives me one, and I eat the whole thing. So now... At one sitting. In one sitting. But Whew. the problem is this year, she has the mini pie. I, I'm talking about I eat the whole one. <laughs> the big one. So I'm... She gave me two of these, and I'm thinking, what do we, what do we cut back here? Is yeah. <laughs> this is one of the So, so Jason, ex- explain to the listening audience what you're talking about, because we're rolling. Uh, sweet potato pie was made by Miss Kay. She has them at home, the 12-inch, but she made a couple of them about, what do you think, about three, three to four I mean, inches. And she told me explicitly, take these to Jay's, because he'll love my pie. So... Yeah, about four inches wide. and uh, Jace is partaking in his breakfast this morning, sweet potato well, pie. I mean, I haven't eaten one since last year. And By the way, there's an art to making, as you noted. No doubt. There's an art to making a sweet potato pie. I mean, all other sweet potato pies that I've ever tried, it wasn't even scalable. That's right. Well, first of all, you got to be an old lady um, to really do it justice, I think. Yeah, there may be some young ones out there, but I hadn't I hadn't tried them yet. So I, something about that years of seasoning. Of course, mom, her, the key in hers, the sweet, the middle is fantastic, but the crust is so good. And she says it's because she has tiny hands, and her yeah. small hands can handle the crust just right. Because I tried, me and Willie tried one time, and she said we, our hands were too meaty. <laughs> was the way she yeah. put it. Well, I so, don't want to be unkind. Which describes or, a lot of me this day. I don't want to be unkind or lewd about this, but y'all's Please mother, don't. your your mother made this sweet potato pie under duress because she's, I didn't say it in my speech the other morning in a sermon. I said, I better better leave that out. But she's, she's reached, got her in their 70s now, you know, and I said, you know, when they get in their 70s, you know, they're real talkative and all that. But yeah, uh, that's, she's that's always running into things, and she keeps – she's got a big gash now. She has round-the-clock wound care, a big gash right below her knee where he, she hit the concrete when she was with the girls. Boom, she hits her leg. It just splits it. It's skinned real tender. So they just kind of put that flap back on it. So she's down there now. Flap of skin? Yeah, and her leg is – They the nurse – the nurse woman said, look, the wound care woman said, keep your leg elevated for at least four or five days. So she's got her leg, but in between that, she went in there and made those sweet potato pies. Her problem is, I want to be kind, and I don't want to be unkind. She's, as they say, she's top heavy. So if <laughs> she leans a little, the weight <laughs> on the upper part of her body, it, 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 she falls like a tree in the woods. Physically. Yeah. Man, that's good. But I didn't want to say that well, in the bad. sermon because I thought well, people. Well, we appreciate well, nobody that. I'm sure she does. So nobody, yeah, nobody will hear it here, pal. She's a top-heavy woman, which makes it a lot easier, like an old an old snaggy tree. They finally fall because they're up on the top. You, you see what I'm a, saying? You need a team of people to be able to tell you how to say something. <laughs> that is not too blunt. You just need a team because you could have said she's healthy, 
at the top. That would have been yeah, fine. Yeah, because I didn't want to be a healthy woman. It. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't say that. I mean, what you did say is you said when she was young, you, she was shy and she wouldn't talk much. And now that she's older, she can't stay upright and she won't shut up. That's right. Now, you did say that. <laughs> yeah, I did. But it, everybody it, laughed, and I thought— It's not bothering me. It's just I'm just explaining what the situation is. <laughs> Two right. 70-year-olds, your mother and your dad, you know. But I want to start— <laughs> We're entering the stumbling, bumbling type <laughs> age. But most most seven— I, I'm taking a good cheer because I believe in the resurrection, and there's a departure <laughs> coming up when we leave our bodies. But our bodies, for lack of a better term, Zach— your uncle, my 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 your my body is beginning to, along with hers, it, it's not as efficient yeah. as it used to be. <laughs> I was very well. At least it's not yeah, very kind. I think you put well, that in a very kind I, way. No, Phil, I think you've come a long way yeah. on that. Yeah. By the so. way, the logger, the logger, uh, Harrington. By the way, if if someone wants to make a beautiful duck hole, these are the guys you get a hold of. Oh boy, Harrington. Harrington, right. and uh, that narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, just find, well, go ahead, just find that Harrington. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 made that that prairie over there in the middle of the woods, and I mentioned him yesterday because he's the one that said the tree that liked to kill me, it hit my truck, and I jumped back just in time before it hit the truck. It just jumped up six feet when I saw mm -hmm. it down. Jumping Betty, big got, tree. Jumping Betty. And he said, Jumping Betty, I told him, I said, that logger said, oh, yeah, that's a killer, that Jumping Betty. Well, I saw him out there a while ago. He said, I heard that on the podcast, me and my woman, you know. But I, I highly recommend that particular logging crew if you want a beautiful well, duck hole. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say those guys. The problem, I think, is Miss Kay, what is she, in her mid-70s, and yep. she had this fall because she was at a concert. And, you know, right before midnight. Most most people in their mid seventies are not concerting in the middle of the night. No, Jace, it it was, but but you your facts are a little off. It's even worse than that. She was hurt getting ready at the hairstylist place to go to the concert. So she's in the mercy room and she calls oh. Lisa and I. And she said, "Well, I'm back in the ER." <coughs> And I said, what have you done now? And so she tells me. And then I said, well, so they're taking you home as soon as they, you know, get you fixed up? And she said, oh, no, I'm going to the concert. Oh, okay. And I was like, Mom, when the, the numbness where they're, they're going to give you some numbing stuff, but trust me, about 8.30 when that concert's rolling, that numbing's going to wear off, and you're going to wish you were yeah. home. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. she didn't do she it. Was front, she this. was front row Joe at the, uh, it was Matt, Matthew West concert. Matthew West. So she, uh, yeah. she told me, she said, I got, I went to the, so she was the ER first. They, they, they didn't, they didn't deaden the pain, but they gave her a pain pill. She said, well, once that hit, she said, I was kind of, I was like, I'm good to go. And so she goes <laughs> to the concert, sits on the front row of the Matthew West concert with a gashed up leg. But the, but the bottom line is during this process, the sweet potato pies just keep rolling well, that's out. That's what I was going to say. It's pretty amazing <laughs> that a woman in pain would that's stop right. and take a time out and make me, because they're tradition, this first sweet potato pie of the fall. Yep, that's it. And I and because she knows how much you love it, Jace. That's how much. That's what a good mom she is. Well, I'm in glad spite of her saying y'all have argued through the years, she's every year she comes up with a sweet potato pie, even through injury, even on the so hour. Where did, where did she, she fall comes at? Through. She was she. 
It was she was at Cricket's yeah. shop. She th- Cricket's her hairdresser's called her, her real name is Cricket. So by the way, your man who wrote the Whiskers book, the beard, the beard book, it's Gronk. Yes, Cronk. Uh, here, here we go again. C R O N K. Cronk. Harold Cronk. He, he did an outstanding job. Uh, we're just kind of reminiscing here about this, about food and hospitality within a family structure. Al, you, you would have to admit the the hospitality side. We we've uh, we put that into practice in a big way over the last fifty years. Yeah, it's just always been a part of how we grew up. And it didn't matter, as you've said before, the only thing that changes is the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, we're eating a little bit higher-end stuff these days, but it didn't matter whether it was low-end or high-end. We always had a house full of people. And mom's look at that. Jace, you get the Clean Plate Award yeah, for those was, of you that are watching. I was, I was showing the. <laughs> it's always been a part of who we are. And it just kind of was generational because I can remember the whole sweet potato thing. I remember when mom didn't make the sweet potato pies, granny made the sweet potato pies. That was handed it, down. It was handed down. You remember she had a, she would have them spread yep. out, Jay. You remember all around the sewing machine and the oh, kitchen and then the, the most front porch. If you think about it, Al, when you're raising children, now that y'all are raising children, we're talking about how y'all were raised and how Ma and Pa from the patriarchs on down to me and then you, well, now that you have children and grandchildren, it becomes a bigger factor than people realize. It brings families and showing them how to behave, yeah. how to operate in a in a sin-cursed world. It really, it really is a wonderful thing, hospitality. Just a note, I've raised mine also. So, What's your kids? I mean, my last <laughs> one's 18. She's on her own. So, Zach's still raising. That's Zach's still got list. Yeah, my youngest <clears throat> is eighteen. Yeah, I still Woo. I still got a few left. But you know, I think that's true, Phil. I mean, I think one of the the tragedies of the last two years of us wanting to erase all of history is that we we lose we we lose the 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 lessons from the matriarchs and the patriarchs along the way, which is. A book you mentioned, by the way, shameless plug. Go to uh, beardballad.com if you want to get it. It's a children's book, but that's why we got behind it because it's it's amplifying a father and a son relationship and a son looking to his dad to learn how to be a man. Uh, you know, that's where we learn yep. these things. Y'all y'all pass down a lot of great traditions and values that we all hold as a family to this day. I'm thankful for it. Think about it. I'm 75 years old, and I delivered two sweet potato little pies this morning. To one of my sons, and he like, it's, it's family structure. It's, it's, it really is. He's a grown man now with his own children. I was really thankful that y'all thank me for raising you the way we did, Miss Kay and I. So, but, so Dad, I was somebody called and said thank you, Dad, because now that we have children, we get it. But <laughs> to be completely transparent, look, he was dunning me for the fuel around here. <laughs> And he was handing me two sweet potato pies. Exactly. And I was like, I knowing that I would have paid $1,000 for that pie. You know what you call that? I showed That's him the not- fuel bill for, of this yesterday's fuel bill. You know, 700 gallons of diesel came our way. We're pumping water. I told Jason, Jace, 
here's some pie. You know, it, it, it's a question of fairness that all this fuel we're buying. I said, you know, everybody's using down. it, but there's only one person paying for it. Yeah. That'd be me. I said, let's let's spread this thing out. The a message bit. that I got was, if you want, because he never said this, but it was like it was implied. There's more pies where where that came from. But so you know, that's a that's a great reminder that OPR, old dad, he was the original entrepreneur who understood how to get things done to build a business, Jay. That's what, every once in a while there's a reminder in, in retired Phil, if you ever retire. So, Dad, I was out in California uh, last week, <coughs> and I spoke, Lisa and I spoke a couple of times, and I mentioned in my speech that I was talking to him about this very thing, about losing family connection, about not having heritage. So I show a picture of our family. But I, I mentioned, I said, you know, my dad baptized my granddaughter a year and a half ago in the hot tub on our front porch at my house. I said, that was a great grandfather baptizing his great granddaughter. Yep. And I said, there's no better picture to me of that, of what you're talking about, that this is legacy that lives on. Cause you're talking about four generations were present there of faith, yeah. you know, amazing, which is pretty powerful. It so is. Kind of that's what, that's what it's all about. I guess by way of sweet potato pie. So, Jason, have you recovered? I mean, can you go on now? Are you going to go into a coma? Are you going to – how's this going to affect you? Yeah, it was uh, – <laughs> I'm glad it I was I mean, we watched you one, eat yeah. that whole pie. <laughs> I couldn't stop it. <laughs> and I'd already eaten breakfast, so I'm like – Well, before we – If you see me yeah. take off in a hurry, you'll know what happened. Yeah. I'll be Don't back. Yeah, well, for our listeners – before we started the podcast, he's eating the pumpkin pie or the, the sweet potato pie, and 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 we he couldn't stop to start the page. Just said, just start with just start start without me. I'm re- I'm going to eat this. Just go. Which is what yeah. I love about unashamed. You're going to get it exactly <laughs> like it is. There's no there's no sugar coat. Let's now take there, a let's take let's take a break. So we talk a lot on the podcast about food. Uh, last podcast, we were talking about food and hospitality. Jace even ate a whole sweet potato pie, um, which is amazing. Uh, one of the things we do enjoy is beef. And one of the things I was surprised I didn't know about until one of our sponsors made me aware of it, Good Ranchers, is that most of the beef that comes into the U.S. comes in from foreign places. I didn't realize that. It's really cost a lot of Americans their jobs, uh, American farms, American independent ranches. So what they're trying to do is get people to buy American, uh, get those uh, numbers back up from our own um, from our own countrymen. And that's why Good Ranchers is here. Uh, every, every bit of uh, their beef and chicken that they use comes from American ranches and farms. Uh, good product. You want to be able to check these guys out. You go to goodranchers.com slash fill, and you're gonna, they're going to give you 10 free filet medallions with your first order, which is fantastic. So you're going to get some free, some free beef to check these guys out. You can subscribe, and you'll also receive $25 on each box of their American Meats for Life. So it will come to your house regularly. It's a monthly subscription. So uh, sign up now. You get 10 free Bistro medallions. That's a $100 value and free express shipping if you go to goodranchers.com slash fill or use the code fill at checkout. That's goodranchers.com slash fill or use the code fill at checkout. There, there also is a hornet flying around. And oh, it, boy. I'm an air traffic controller. So I see you. at some at some stage of this podcast, I actually got a couple letters over that because I 
I was protecting my wife. Remember the day we had a hornet? It lit in dad's beard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can't blame him for that. He thought, here's a nice little nest here. I could make it a home. One one of the uh, positive uh, assets that a person can have is that if a hornet wants to sting you on the face, he has to go through this blocker, <laughs> blocker. And look, he hit, wanting to get through to sting me, too thick. So I just, and he took off. But it, it saved me from many a bee sting, hornet sting, yeah. whiskers. Just another, just a thought. I'm just saying. You say, well, well, how come women don't have them to protect them from? Because there is a truism. Women, for the most part, other than a little peach fuzz, and they're quick to get that out, they don't have facial hair. Males do. And someone says, it looks like there's almost uh, males have whiskers, but females do not have whiskers to the extent that males do. Yeah. And you're saying there's no difference between male and female. No, there's a big difference. Check their face. That's a good point. So um, I was watching a clip the other day just to show you how people handle things differently. We've had a couple of occasions where some kind of, you know, bee or hornet or whatever got loose in our podcast. Uh, Megan Kelly <laughs> used to be on Fox. She has a podcast. And the other day a bird got in their podcast studio and I, and I watched the video of it. But it it was handled a lot differently. Things were knocked over. They, her guest was a woman. They're up running around the table. I mean, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But it was sheer panic over a bird that got into the podcast studio. So I just laughed about it because both times we've had something happen, whatever it was that got in there was dead within seconds. Megan Kelly, it just shut the whole production down. So huh. there you go. I guess I guess there's a difference in how we handle things. We already talk about Matthew. Yeah, where are we at again? Go for anybody, Matthew seventeen. Has anybody else got any musings? Yeah, we're Matthew seventeen. Is where we well, left off yesterday. Well, I will say this: my my oldest son sent me a video that he had come across because he said he had been exploring the genealogy of our family and. A Scotsman had had done a show seven or eight years ago about the Robertson clan. And so my son sends me this video, and he said, it's all making sense now. It's all coming (laughs) together. And so I watched the 30-minute episode, and (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of (laughs) embarrassing. I mean, you had Cy represented, some of the – because as they talked, they just didn't like – their history now I'm talking about the Robertson clan so they just said well let's just make up some better history and so they (laughs) they they had a little red book and it was filled with stories of heroes and so now you know there's a there's basically some uh, some argument about what's actually true because they imagine that embellishment had run amok (laughs) Imagine that. How far back but did they, they were. Go? I mean, this was most of the what was discussed in that show was around the. It was Alexander Robertson in the 1600s. Yeah. Yep. And uh, just lived out in the middle of nowhere, where There's James dream, James where, Robertson was some kind of explorer. Yeah. Oh yeah, where streams come together. I think that's what the actual clan name means. So I was like, "Yep." 
But I thought the most hilarious story was that they were in some kind of battle somewhere. And supposedly, because they didn't know what parts of the stories were true because they had made a bunch of them up about their history. <laughs> but that's what that's what Reeve was saying. That sounds like Sai's book. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them, they found a, a, a part of the Robertson clan, their, the findings that they had throughout their history, it was one of them found a crystal ball. And they still have it. They, they showed it. It's got a crack in it, but... And so they they used that for knowledge and wisdom and healing and different things. I said, yep, I can see Cy right now saying, hey, boys, gather around here and uh, put your hand there on that crystal ball. So I just, we were talking about family and, you know, Reed's at an age where he was trying to figure out how all this happened. But the more he, he dug, he thought, oh, wow. Huh. That's weird. I got an email this week about a guy, um, some guy had done the research. I, I just skimmed over it. Joseph Robertson from the 1775 or some area. Uh, I forgot where he was at, but he fought in the Revolutionary War, and they were trying to – they said we were connected to him somehow. I haven't I haven't looked into it at all, but I thought that was interesting. I think I may go over there and do a little metal detect. If I'll have to look at their laws about that. But I figure if we're a Robertson, they – you know. Yeah. We should have like an old home place somewhere, right? Where yeah, well, they went to one, and I said, I, I need to go meddle to When we it. visited Scotland, uh, and they had a museum, a, a Robertson Museum, and I, and I asked the, the guy, he had the, the skirt on, you know, and the, the whole the work. Kilts. <laughs> yeah, kilts. And I asked him, I said, so what kind skirt. of reputation <clears throat> did we leave when we when we moved to the U.S.? They, they came across the ocean, and he said, uh, reputation, both good and bad. <laughs> he said, he said uh, uh, our mantra was fierce when roused. You, you rouse them up and, and, and there's a fierceness that comes out. I thought, really? I said, well, what are we known for overall? He said, jam. Okay. Jelly. Jam. Oh, jam. not like get your jam on. Jam like, and jelly. And I thought, jam well, and I'm jelly. still, so still, I'm the still jelly. fixing jam and jelly to this day. Well, well, I would say that fits the Phil Robertson motto, fierce when roused, which I've is why we never woke him up. making jelly my whole life, making jelly. We well, never woke him up, right, Jace, from a nap, and then he's yeah. been making jelly his whole life. Well, from what I gathered from the 30-minute show, we were known for a lot of drinking, which we've had some of those problems in our <laughs> in our past. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lived in the outdoors. I mean, just, I mean, they would go to places where no human had existed and say, yep, we're going to live, we're yep. going to set up right here. That explains we, the woods we're you, sitting you That's did familiar. That. This is, you that's found familiar. this place and a lot of storytelling. Mm. Yep. Oh, that's us. That's weird. We're, so, there's no doubt. So did it say anything about, Jace, we like, because uh, I'm not sure how it all works, but the Robertsons, we're kind of part of a greater clan as well. And there's like these big families. And I think it was McDougal. Did they mention yeah. that? Oh, we were it's, like, all, it's all in there. But that's the problem is you can't figure out exactly where the Robertsons fit in because they made up their history. <laughs> that continues to this day. That, that was the joke. If you missed that out, we don't know. I got it. But he's like, we're never going to find this out. Revisionist Because history. the red book with all the history was burned in a fire after an argument broke out between two Robertsons. So they burned it in the fire, which sounds exactly like many a domino game that I played That's as a right. kid. An argument would break out and things would start to get thrown in the fire. 
So, Jason, do you remember this? I can remember when we were kids, we, we got into a heated card game, and Granny and Paul tied into it, and Granny took like a handful of our playing cards and tossed them into the ever-burning fireplace that was right behind the domino table. And that was the end of the game, not only for that day, but for a while until somebody went yeah. and bought another deck of cards. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. I remember so, also, I mean, you know, uh, Paul got mad and burned that 6-4 domino with his cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> on the corner. Yeah, on the corner. Well, then everybody knew who had the 6-4. And from that time on, if somebody needed 10 or less to go out, you just look they would for look the for... burned cigarette domino, and you automatically win. It used to make me so angry because yeah. I thought, he's like, no, nah, you can't see that. Of course, he'd grab it and turn it over and say, we win. 10. <laughs> he would always say T-I-N, 10, when he yeah. took a 10 count. Yeah. Well, you know what we should have done was we should have burned three or four other ones, and then you wouldn't have known because it could have been a choice. That's what we should have done. I have to admit, you guys were raised, when you were raised up as boys, I mean, y'all had daily or nightly uh, domino games and cards and dominoes. Card was, games, yeah. It was always there. Yeah. yeah. Every time we would get home from school in the school year, we would go down and play for an hour or two with Granny and Paul. That was just standard. And that's why Jason and I got so good at it, because we played every day. And Willie was well, a little right. bit too you little. And Jay strapped it on all the coaches up there at his high school. They're going to fleece you, and you smoke <laughs> them. One of my greatest memories as as a kid, because I Hang had... on, Jace. Hang on, Jace. Before we tell that, let's take a break. So, Jace, recently you've been on quite the rant about headboards and footboards. Uh, how you're anti, you think they should all be cut up and thrown into firewood. Is that, you're still on the rant? To quote Ecclesiastes, meaningless. <laughs> well, it's I, I, I chasing, thought of an, oh, It's a chasing after the wall. So I thought of another example that will that will, that plays into what you're saying it's from one of our sponsors Bowl and Branch who make the absolute best and most comfortable sheets that are out there I thought of another reason a headboard and a footboard make it harder to put your sheets on your bed if you didn't have a headboard or a footboard your sheets would go on easier is that not true thank you see so oh, I'm just you, making you your... become a non headboard disciple <laughs> That's right. I'm part of your mouthpiece. So uh, one of the things for sure, whether you have a headboard or not, what you want is some of the best sheets out there. It's a 100% organic cotton. Uh, feels great. They go from twin up to California King. Uh, fair trade certified. Really good stuff. So you want to check these guys out. If you order by 1219, you're going to get guaranteed delivery for Christmas. This is a great gift idea for someone in your family. So the best deals of the year going on now from 11-1 to 11-11 with the promo code Robertson at Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H, bowlandbranch.com, promo code Robertson. Exclusions may apply. Check these guys out. It was, it was snowing, but I couldn't miss another day because I had had duck fever for like 19 and a half days during duck season so i couldn't miss another day or i'd have to repeat the whatever grade i was in <laughs> so there was in a school of 2000 there's about 12 people there because they didn't officially call it off so i had to be there i couldn't miss another day and so the coaches were in there they only had three of them they were looking for you know somebody you got to have four to play 
and I'm just hanging out because I don't I don't have anything to do because nobody else is there. And they don't. The coaches don't know your background and domino playing. Yeah, and they kept saying, "Well, you know, we could play three handed." And I said, "Well, I could play with you." And they kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know how to play. I was like, "I know how the game is supposed to be played." That's how I said it. One said, "All right, you know." Sit down there. But the first hand, I picked up five fives, which for you domino players, pretty strong hand, which <laughs> led to me at the end of the hand rising up and playing three times consecutively. And they were like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And so that I did the, which I learned from my grandpa, I'd pull the domino back and say, can you play? No. <laughs> Boom. So then I got to do it again. You know? Boom, 25 count. <laughs> were they stunned? So, well, here's what's funny. The next day, I'm sitting in class in whatever, accounting, and on, over the mic system, it said, can you please send Jason Robertson to the office? And I thought, well, I'm in trouble. So I get there, one of the coaches said, they need a player. In the thumbnail. I said, well, I guess I'm in now. It's the greatest thing that ever happened. <laughs> you smoke them, you got their respect. <laughs> can I play? I was like, I've been playing since about five. <laughs> but they were good and, too, you know. It was, it right. Was good. I remember those guys because they were the same guys that coached me. And one of them was old Williams' dad. Mike Williams' dad was one yep. of them. And they were the same thing, you know. I mean, they cussing, fighting, throwing dominoes against the wall, you know. And because they, after a while, I just became one of the boys, and that's just the way it was. You would have to have the background to be able to pull that off, which is pretty good. This, and we still play. For, for some uh, reason, dominoes makes people very. Loud and angry. Oh yeah, you know it does. So, that's size problem in cards. He tries to apply that from what happens at dominoes to cards, but he he just it ain't there. I told him last. So he, he was playing cards last night. I said, "Sir, you need to stick to dominoes." <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? Y'all may not know this, but I, when I was trying to find a domino table that was made out of cherry wood, which is the one we grew up playing on because it was, it's lightweight and it bounces. So, cause you know, we do a lot of slamming and the problem is if you're playing dominoes the way we play on a thick table, like the one y'all are sitting at right now, that's a broke finger. Yeah. Or oh yeah. Which, happened, bone. which is part of the game and you tape it up and you keep going. But if you have well, a you better do. table, you wouldn't break your hand. No, you want a bouncer. So so I thought, okay, I got to surely I can find me a domino table. So I started looking. Well, I couldn't find anything. And then I started, you know where they were popping up everywhere? Dominican Republic, Puerto mm. Rico, and New York City, which is has a lot of Dominicans and Puerto Ricans in it. Yep. So I realized I started running out the culture study of this thing, and I and I started seeing these videos of these guys playing dominoes in kind of a public square, like you imagine, like playing they chess. They were serious too. Oh my goodness! You talk about jumping up on the table. It reminded me of our childhood because they're they're slamming, and of course I'm sure they're cursing each other. They're all Spanish, you know. And so I found a collapsible, which you can fold it up cherry wood domino table in new york city and had it shipped to my house and right now that's what we play dominoes of. Huh. Yeah. but i never knew in the sort of caribbean culture they play dominoes just like we play dominoes but the i the never asians, knew that the asians are big into dominoes the really asians. oh yeah i didn't know yeah well i spent i well, spent that's... probably you see about 15 years in sales and i traveled all the back roads of louisiana 
and I went to every small town in the entire state, and in every small town in Louisiana, there's a big oak tree, and then there's a group of people underneath that oak tree playing dominoes 24-7. Every small, yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if it's the, what, but every town, they would sit in there and play dominoes all day. Maybe not 20. Old-timers mostly? Yeah, just like older older guys out there, older men out there playing playing dominoes, and and it's like a they'd sit there all day and drink beer and play yeah, well, dominoes. I told y'all that when I was in Greece, you know, and I heard them holler, and I went over and investigated big domino game, and I was breaking down the hand to my my cadre that was with me. They were like, "Well, how did you figure out? How did you know all that just by looking at it for three seconds?" I said, "Oh, you could tell the the board, <laughs> but they were all looking at us like." Keep moving. <laughs> You're not welcome here. No. We need to do a version. We need to do our version of the Queen's Gamut. We can uh, tell Jace's domino victory story. Maybe we can get it on Netflix. Did y'all watch the Queen's Gamut about the chess player? Uh, I must have missed that. No. Well, never mind. That didn't. Sounds I a little too I think me cult. and Al had the greatest comeback ever. Wasn't that me and you? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, Cy tells the story consistently. He remembers it like mm-hmm. it was yesterday. They needed we needed 150, and they needed a nickel. Which, if you play dominoes, that's like nickel you don't come back from five. that. Yeah, they needed five, and we needed 150. That's like and we 100 had, to nothing in a football game, and you that's and you right. win it, and you come back it's and imp- win it, and you come back. And we came back in two hands of sixes and fives. They never scored. And we ran the two hands and won. It was against Harold and Jimmy Frank, Dad's older two brothers, and they never lived it down. It was a, a lore. No. I mean, it's the of course. I mean, now we're wondering: is it like the Scottish stories? Now I wonder: is it really true? Did it really happen, or did we just make it up? I don't know. But everybody still talks about it. Do you remember it, Jay? Oh yeah, it was good, and we were uh, gentlemen about it. We trashed out for months. <laughs> <laughs> we had to well we had to walk the line because everybody trashed out but we were we were young we were the nephews yeah. so we we couldn't quite go as far as they did but we went right up to the line No I crossed the line Phil confronted me one time he was like hey you're 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 being disrespectful you know at the domino table I was like well that's just part of the game and he was like hey you do it again I'll tear your butt <laughs> I was like hey. <laughs> he had the ace card well, I, I was well like, that was the well, ultimate card I remember card. two yeah. things being younger uh, me and Jeff you know we kind of would just run through the house we never we weren't invited to sit at the table until we got much older um, it was kind of yep. like a rite of passage you know once you got to play that's it was, right that was kind of a cool thing but I remember the two things that that roused the emotion more than anything was was card game domino games and and bible studies yeah yeah that yep. was that's how you get that's when you get some fired up conversations too mm-hmm. well and actually uh let's take another break all right so Maybe Zach knew that knows this, but I bet none of the rest of us knew this. You have 360 joints from your neck down each vertebrae in your back to your arms, hips, knees, and feet. Did you know that? 360. I did. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I had a course in kinesiology at Louisiana Tech, but I don't think they covered that. Well, so it's 360, which I thought was interesting because that's almost one joint per every day of the year. And which makes a lot of sense that why we would be having so many aches and pains from joints because of inflammation. 
And so this this information comes to us via one of our great sponsors that Dad and I love, especially Omega XL. And so they've done some great research into the pristine waters of New Zealand, has produced some great mussels, the uh, green-lipped mussels that Dad and I saw their shelves. And they produce this wonderful product uh, that turns into a great uh, inflammation killer. And so that's what you want to be able to take care of these 360 joints. Here's what you do. You go to Omega XL. uh, You're going to buy a bottle. You're going to get a second bottle for free. That's going to give you a a couple of months supply. OmegaXL.com slash fill. That's OmegaXL.com slash fill. Or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. And get to working on those 360 joints. Actually, Zach, we've talked about it, that that's really the, I would say that's the birthplace of Duck Dynasty as well as this podcast is how we all grew up, like studying the Bible. And of course, the show didn't feature that, but, you know, we're able to do this now. But on the show, it was about being able to, you know, argue your point or, you know, the whole dinner table thing was us, you know, the whole time at the dinner table, we talked about the Bible or politics or whatever was going on. And, you know, you, you learned that that's where you had your voice. And so you need to have something good to say. Willie describes it as whenever you got your chance, it was like a spotlight appeared out of nowhere. And you better not me- you better not drop the point because this is your this is your chance. If you ever blow it here, it's like, OK, get on down at the end of the table. You're well, right. we, we got a lot of complaints when we first started the podcast about people, you know, us interrupting each other. But we're really more y'all because I, I wasn't on much and I was more on the other side of the camera. But um I was always like, man, if you think that's bad, you should have seen what it used to be like. I mean, this is a tamed down version, you know, but it's how we process, you know, it's how we, you know, everybody's talking and collaborating. So it's fun. Yeah, I was in I was in Massachusetts and uh, a guy was there that listens to our podcast and uh, he was describing to a person there that doesn't watch it. And he was like. You know, this is what it's like. He said, now, it took me a little bit at first, he said, because they kept interrupting each other. And I thought, man, these people are so rude. They won't let each other finish a sentence. He said, but after a while, I realized that's how they discuss things. And so I was like, you got, you got it, dude. You know, you, you know, he's explaining it. So I thought it was pretty funny. All right. So in the book of Matthew, you got something going, Jason? I always got something going. Turn him I, loose, huh? I think we left we left off. We left off at the Matthew. We just covered the first part there of the uh, Transfiguration. Transfiguration, which is to me one of the greatest stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. No doubt, because he's saying, "I got the power. This is possible." Just think if you're standing there as or nothing, or nothing is impossible. And you're well. I think that's why what led him to this this next story, the healing of the boy with the demon. When they came to the crowd in verse 14 of 17, a man approached him, knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on me. He has seizures and is, has suffered greatly. He often falls in the fire or in the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And so Jesus said, O unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out. He was healed. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, well, why couldn't we drive that out? He said, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small 
as a mustard seed. You can say this mountain move from here to there, and it will move. And then he said what you just said, nothing will be impossible for you. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief, which is ironic. Yep. What, what, do, what would he have to do for them to get it, that death is not the The end? very thing that saved them from their sins and gave them immortality they were grieving about it, yeah. not understanding this is the only way this is going to work. That's the second time, by the way, that Matthew recorded what Jesus said. I'm going up to Jerusalem. There was no dilly-dallying around, just straightforward. And they like, when they, yeah, can you sense, imagine somebody sense. saying, by the way, let me just explain something to you. And he says it once. Well, the next thing they know, he says it again. And they're like, Going up to Jerusalem. Well, then he says it again and, and, and again. He, and they will kill him, and on the third day he'll be raised alive. If someone tells you that, your neighbor says, look, Phil, uh, I'm going over here and take a trip. They're going to kill me, but in three days I'll be back. I'll come back from the dead. I would say, what? You'd say, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's what they said. <laughs> yeah. Okay, buddy. Even the ones <laughs> with him had difficulty believing what well, he said. It's hard to believe practically. I mean, look, this looks good on a poem saying nothing will be impossible for you. Because people come up with all this stuff all the time. That's why I brought up, you know, Marvel's coming out with a new movie called Eternals. You know why? Because somebody got in a room and said, let's call it Eternals. Now, is, is something eternal actually going to happen in that movie? No. But they're calling it that because you're thinking, whoa, something eternal could happen. Let's go check it out. And so by the time you <laughs> eat enough popcorn and drink a Coke, you don't care. <laughs> you were entertained and you left. But nothing eternal is going to happen. Well, I think that's just the natural way of viewing these things. He said nothing will be impossible for you. Well, then they're filled with grief two verses later because he said he was going to die. But he also said he was coming back. And they're like, oh, man, this is sad. They didn't have the wine skins to hold his new wine. I mean, even, yeah. even the part before that, when they weren't able to produce the miracles because of their lack of faith. I mean, keep in mind, this is directly after they saw the transfiguration of, of Jesus with Moses and Elijah, which you would think would have emboldened them in their faith. And still it's like, it's, it's just the nature of kind of our, our humanity is like, even, even in the midst of these miracles and things that are happening, they still would go back to their own selves for the source of their, whatever they're trying to produce. And I think that's his point. And the part about when he says, you know, your lack of faith is why you couldn't perform these. And he says, the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, you know, well, I think what his point is, is that like, it's not about what you're producing. It's about what I'm producing. And we, we always, we always try to go back to ourselves in that and wind up with the same results. By the way, Jace, in the next section, he discusses the temple tax, you know, tax collectors, it's brought up repeatedly on 
the flow of money and what's required of the human race by, by man-made constructs. They, they always tax the people. And it's pretty interesting the way this unfolds about paying taxes. Hang on, Dad, for we let's take a break. And what's more interesting about that, Dad, is this wasn't this particular tax was a temple tax. So they're they're Jewish and you know, to worship they go to the temple. And so the powers that be had decided that they were going to tax people to come and worship God, which was really interesting because you don't see anything about this in the Old Testament. I never saw much about temple tax. There was a, you know, you're supposed to give a tenth to be able to uphold the priesthood, the Levites, but they have just decided to make some money off of worship. And so it's interesting because I Jesus says. I wonder if that ever caught, caught on in modern day. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It became about that. And, of course, his point is, he says, look, these people out here, these other kingdoms, and he, that could have been Rome who was occupying Israel. He's like, who do they tax? They tax their own sons and daughters or they tax these other people that they have conquered? And they were like, well, they, the Oops. ones they conquered. And, and he says, well, then as sons, we don't have to pay either. But so I won't offend Go out and catch a fish, and in his mouth, as Jace talked about last time, there's going to be some some coins in there. So the question is, did Jesus, through his power of, of being divine, put the coins in the mouth of the fish? Did the mouse? Did the fish scoop them up? And Jesus knew where the fish was. I mean, you know, the miracle could be seen in a lot of different ways. But mm-hmm. what he was showing again, just like he showed with the power over the evil being, is that he has the power to create what he needs to to get by. But I always thought it was interesting. He he could have conjured up. He could have just like stuck his hand in his pocket and conjured up those two coins. Why did he put them in a fish? Yep. He could create matter and destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's already shown that from the feeding of the several thousand people. Because that Correct. process is fun, too. It's why I metal detect. But why, why do it? it? The process is fun. I don't know any other reason why he would send him down there to catch a fish. Well, what is that? Catching a fish? That's fun. I don't care who you are. It's also fun to find coins in mysterious places or lost places. But it's also another element, Judge, to show his power. And I I think, you know, what I believe this whole section that started back in 14 is about him strengthening their faith. And to Zach's point earlier, Discipleship, and we've all done it for years. I mean, we're constantly being discipled or discipling other people. And when you're young in the faith, especially, and these guys are, I mean, they still hadn't even gotten to the big moment yet. But discipleship is always two steps forward, one step back, because we're human beings. And so I think you see that so clearly in these few chapters about the disciples, because every time they seem to make an advance of understanding, then they seem to take a step back of misunderstanding, you know? And so that's what continues to happen over and over again. So, But he also referred them as family. He was also given the picture. That's why we come up with this forever family. You just think about it. He was transfigured to show the other power, and then he predicted his death, burial, and resurrection. And then you have this thing come up with the taxes, but he's referring to them as sons. But he's like, we don't want to offend them, even though— we're the sons of God here. 
That's right. So we'll pay it. I I love it because he's he's giving them a picture that oh we're we're the sons and daughters of God. These these taxes are this is almost like he was acting like this is just meaningless. But we don't want to offend them, so go down there and catch you a fish. You'll find our taxes. Give it to <laughs> for me and you. I mean, how do you make that up? Well, you, you, you're seeing the, the gospel being played out in advance here because he says the sons are exempt. Primarily, he was exempt because he was the son of God, right? But but however, right, yeah. even though I'm exempt, I'm the son of God, however, I know I don't have to pay this, you know, however, so that we don't offend them, go do it and, and, and I'll provide the payment, which I think is another foreshadowing of the gospel of how Christ yeah. did not deserve death, but yet he he paid the penalty. You know, he substituted the he substitutional penal atonement. That Christ paid the penalty. He was substituted what what we were due, what we owed. He said, "I'll pay that." So you kind of see a foreshadowing. Well, so I believe here. there's a there's a point <clears throat> to be made that you know we all pay taxes <clears throat> then and now. We pay taxes kind of begrudgingly. In the grand scheme of things, paying taxes, which we've all done, it, it doesn't amount to much, Al, no matter how much no. you pay. It, it, That's... I don't mope around because I pay the government taxes. I, I, well, and some people them. will be like, I'm going to be an anarchist. I, you know, I'm not going to pay any taxes. And there's always a group that rises up to say that. And nobody hates to pay taxes more than me, especially when I see how the money is wasted. But at the same time, when I look at stories like this, or when Jesus said in another context, give to Caesars what is yeah. Caesars, I'm like, I'm going to pay the tax. I don't like it. I don't think it's fair. I try to elect people that would cut our taxes. But at the same time, you're right, Dad. I mean, I live in a place that's a, you know, it's a pretty good place to live. It's got a lot of flaws, but at the end of the day. This issue could have cost him dearly on behalf, on behalf of the Romans, but he didn't stir them up. He said, no, you, you pay taxes, you, you know, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's right. God. He kept it simple. Yeah, he was. But he didn't rebel against it. He was dismissal of kind of, he was dismissal of kind of these political issues well, but the irony is, is even though he was dismissal of kind of the Roman structure and the Jewish structure and just kind of like, yeah, pay the pay the tab, whatever, do the thing. That's not really what we're concerned with here. Um, but but the irony is, is that it did what he taught and, and what he was and who he uh, the embodiment of Christ ended up bringing down the entire structure, both both the Jewish temple and and the, the Roman right. uh, the Roman hegemony, the Roman power structure. And so, yeah, I think you yeah, know, it did. it's just interesting. Like, but that wasn't his goal. That was a byproduct. I think so. for us, what's in that is like we get so hung up on like we got to make sure that, you know, we preserve America. And I'm not saying that we we shouldn't. But what I am saying is that that, that is a byproduct of doing kingdom work. A, a healthy, a healthy yeah. American kingdom is going to be the byproduct of a healthy, godly kingdom in America. Yeah. Bunch of river rats, bunch of river rats down on the river decided they shouldn't pay taxes and the wrath of the government will come upon you. He just cut through every bit of that in about this much yeah. this much in the Bible. He you know why they wouldn't that. pay taxes? Because they kept catching fish and they kept looking in there and there wasn't any coins. They <laughs> <laughs> said, so I'd pay it if I could catch one of those fish, but I just can't do it. So I'm Which to me, Jace, is a great uh, overarching point is that ultimately – 
God provides for whatever it is you need. That is and right. And so, you know, look, I, I spent most of my life, because I was in ministry, not making a lot of money, and therefore I didn't pay a lot of taxes. I mean, most of my life I didn't pay a lot of taxes. Well, guess what happened when I started making a little money? I had to start paying taxes. But I realized <laughs> that God provided that. Like, I also enjoy a lot of things in my life that he gave me as a blessing for being true to him. Yeah. So, look, it's God will provide. So if you, if you get stingy and you start thinking like, no, this is about me, then you're going to run into some serious problems, uh, I think, on this issue or any other. Correct. They're going to waste it, which that's they right. probably are. But that's a good story to to share our responsibility. I mean, we don't want to offend anybody. What I wanted to read, getting back to this, the part I was inferring was Galatians three twenty six. It says, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have put on or clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew, Greek, slave, free. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on and, and kind of explains this in chapter 4. He says, what I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law so that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent his spirit into our hearts. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Yep. I think he was introducing the bigger, pen, the bigger principle. Yep. That mm-hmm. because of my son, you're going to be sons, and we're not worried about these worldly, what you're going to do with money and all that. The heir of what I have is everything, everything good in life, and that's what you'll be a part of. I mean, I think it's a, it's a window into what we get to partake in because of God's power. It's a great point, Jason. Really, if you're a co-heir of the entire universe— does the temple tax, do that really make your blood pressure go up? No. I mean, in the big scheme of things, we're co-heirs of the universe with Jesus. So I think sonship is more important than that. All right. Well, we're out of time. We'll try to do better next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.